your favourite albums. Disgust. Track by track. On today's podcast. Being beat up and battered around. Being sent up and I've been shut down. Well, it's alright. Even if the sea are Now, here are your hosts, Campbell and Jack. And hello, we are back with Track by Track with Campbell and Jack. My name is Jack Walker, and today, once again, as always, the man who, you know, nearly cancelled 10 minutes before we were supposed to start the podcast today, Campbell Morath. Hello, Jack. Yeah, just battling some illness for the last couple of weeks, but we're, we're ready to go. Mm. Just, uh, just regarding the little 10-minute thing, did you hear about Placebo earlier this week? I didn't, know. They cancelled their show 10 minutes before it was supposed to start in Perth. In Perth, In right. Perth. So it's For like, illness, I assume. Yes, it, it, it was because of illness, but joke apparently people were already lining up, literally... Well, 10 minutes before. Wa- walking into the arena. Yeah, right. And it just... Some, so, uh, some unlucky bloke had to come out and say... Yeah. They're not coming yeah. on. You always feel that... It's a very rock and roll thing to do, that. Oh, (laughs) that's one way to put it, yeah. It's always Melbourne and Sydney that are the main attractions, I suppose, when it comes to touring in Australia. (laughs) To be fair, they were only playing in front of about three people. That's true. That's very true. Didn't take long to disperse the crowd. What was their song they had, Placebo? Um, Every Me, Every You. Yeah. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. They They may have had other songs, but for all we know, it was probably just them playing that song for... Hour 20 or so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so thanks for joining us again for Track by Track with Campbell and Jack. Today we continue on with Supergroup September. Sorry we weren't with you last week. Uh, you had to miss yourself because of illness. Absolutely. So Happens occasionally, but I'll try and be professional and come back the, the following week. The following week. And it, it almost messed up the, the entire month there. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Oh, it, it was very, very, uh, very close, a bit too close for comfort there. Mm, but yep. fortunately, we have this little extra week where we can squeeze in a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've still got two more after this, but today uh, is our second edition of Supergroup September. So we'll be talking about another album that comes from a, a very well-known supergroup that we'll get to a little bit later. And at the end of the show, we'll have a... Uh, last week, or the week before when, when we did our last podcast, you might remember we talked about the TV show Supergroup. My my favorite TV show currently. You, you've got it's hooked, hooked on you. You're you're hooked on it is what I'm going to say. It's yeah, it's quite addictive, isn't it? It is. It's it's pretty um, it's pretty trashy. Oh, television. God, yeah. As far as trash. I mean, if you've goes. got a reality TV <coughs> show set in Las Vegas, I mean that's trashy TV 101. Oh yeah. And the fact that it features all these washed up rock musicians. Yeah. Absolutely. Just makes it even better. So if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll touch on it later. But last week, we sort of skimmed the surface of Supergroup and what it's all about. But every week uh, until we finish the series, at the end of every show, we're going to be providing a, a, a bit of a review and a discussion about each episode as we go. Very important. To get very, to. very important. It's sort of going to be the new segment on the show. Yeah. The super, the Supergroup review. This, it's going to have its own little opening stinger and wait for next week it's gonna be great yeah so we'll get to that uh at the end of the show we'll talk about the first episode but uh, a bit of news this actually first itunes so if you aren't already uh subscribed on itunes please subscribe and also be sure to you're just there you're listening to it now yeah you're listening to it 
You're I mean, just... I mean, some people might be listening to it, but they're not subscribed to the feed. Exactly, I'm saying you, you, you're right there. So yeah, just... yeah, just do it. Just Please. do it. It's easy. And while you're there as well, please be sure to give us a rating and review. It certainly means a lot, and uh, we enjoy it. Hmm. You know, we we like seeing that little. You know, oh, we've got a got a little rating there. Oh, that's nice. Little, really? little review. I don't think we've had one since May. Okay. Uh, a, a, a comment. We've had a little review, but we haven't had a comment. We'd like to see a little... Yeah, all right. Let's make that a bit of a focus. You know, first person to uh, send in a review, we might uh, give you a bit of a shout out on the show. Yeah. As a bit of... <laughs> what a prize. <laughs> yeah, what a prize. Yeah. I know. It's a, it's a, not much, but it's all we can give it at the moment. So moving on from that, bit of news. So a bit of uh, tour news in the last couple of weeks. Certainly. Uh, two slightly different scales. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Foo Fighters. So a yes. uh, new album coming out this week. They've announced an Australian tour. Happy days. Happy days. We'll probably uh, be along to see that. You were a little unsure. Well, I've seen them twice now. Yeah, so so have I. Uh, but, yeah, I'm certainly open to it. When, when are they playing? When's the date? Oh, uh, I think I've got it open here. It is the... 30th of January. Oh, that might be all right. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how we go. Well, there's a test match that, that day. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's the last day. No, it wouldn't be a test match. Yeah, it's the fifth, fifth day of the Boxing Day test. I'm pretty sure the Boxing Day test is in December when Boxing Day actually is. Yeah, but there are five... Uh, no, there's five... Yeah, there are five days to, to one match, though. What? So it goes 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th. This is January, not December. Oh. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> yeah, got you good there. Um, so oh, yeah, right. Oh, I thought you said third, not thirtieth. Yeah, gotcha. All right. The thirtieth. Um, I was saying to you, it's sort of like the obligation that we have to go. It's well, one. Of, it's one of our, as a collective, one of our favourite bands, and hmm. we saw them last time. Uh, it was probably about three or four years ago. Yep. At Eddie had yep. when they were doing their last tour. So, but the other tour that was announced last week, on a you know slightly lower scale, but. I'm sure it'll be just as good. Thirsty Merc, 15 anniversary tour, 15th mm-hmm. anniversary, and they're doing a, a nationwide big old Australian tour with tons believe, of dates. I can't believe it's been 15 years. It actually feels longer. Mm. I don't know why. I feel like they've been around my entire life. Yeah. And I, I wish they'd do another album because I think they've only done three or so. Because mm. uh, what was his name? Rye. Mm. Uh, Bass, not not Bassingthwaite. I was going to say Bassingthwaite. Is in that Bassinac? Ryan Bassinac. Ryan Ryan Bassinac, the former North Melbourne player, now Brisbane Lion. No. Yeah, I don't quite. Re, re, visor whistle or something like that. I just, or, I just it, had it, an announcement. It, yeah. <clears throat> coming through right now. Jimmy Barnes is doing, I believe, a tour. Yes. He's this, this is live and unscripted, live. by the way. This is two two dates. Jimmy Barnes. It must be a book signing. Oh, that's exciting. Albert Park Primary School Hall. <laughs> Dimmick ro- Chadston. Ro- rocking out for the little kids there. Dimmick's Melbourne. Ooh. And yep. the Robinson's Bookshop in Eastland. It's an interesting uh, venue to be doing a live show. <laughs> well, you usually you associate bookshops, you know, people just going, shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Barnsley's going to be rocking Dimmick's, so look out for that. <laughs> rocking Dimmick's, the uh, book sh- the national bookshop tour. Big, yeah, big fans of the podcast, Dimmick's. Oh, yeah, Dimmick's, or what little shops that of Dimmick's there are left in, in Australia. They love us. Um, actually, I think Dimmick's, it's Angus and Robertson that yeah. was that yeah, went uh, bust a few years back. Yeah. But anyway, Thirsty Merc, they're doing plenty of shows around Australia. That's going to be very exciting. They're doing a show, uh, we're Melbourne-based, so yeah. we'll look at those in particular. I want, but I want to go see one of the little ones. 
I feel it'd be easy to go and see them at the at the gas or something, but yeah. So the gasometer is uh, the one in Melbourne. There's, but there's one in Melton. Yeah, Melton, Belgrave, uh, Belgrave Sookie at Lounge. the Sookie Lounge, which is a pretty good venue. I've been there a couple of times. I don't mind going that one. Belgrave, okay, just get on the on the train. Yeah, and literally end of the line. Yeah, Collins Booksellers, Mooney Ponds, Readings, St Kilda. He's going all over the place, Barnsley. <laughs> they, they're just popping up left, right, and centre yeah, now. It's the Bands in Town app. Have you got that app? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Tells yeah. you all when they've come in, and that's how I heard. I, I didn't know they <laughs> would focus on book signings. No, I think Barnsley gets whatever he can get uh, nowadays. He's still good though. He's still great. He's still we, very, we saw him not long ago. Down, down the green a couple of years ago. He, we, that, that was a fantastic. He's got day. the best live guitarist we've ever seen. Yeah, that that's. Yes, this left-handed guy. That's very true. He's he is a phenomenal guitar. I'm not sure if he's still in the band. He is. Yeah, he's still he, the, he yeah, is. Yeah. But that was easily one of the best live guitar performances we've ever seen. Yeah. Who else was performing that day? Because that was a couple of years Ma- ago. Mahalia Barnes. Oh, Mahalia Barnes. Give her the respect. Yeah, she's yeah. Deserved that. Uh, uh, we had your mate um, Tim Rogers with UMI. And UMI. Oh, that was that wasn't and too that Nick. great. Nick Barker. Nick Barker. Funny story about Nick Barker and my father. Mm. Uh, so my father and uh, his friend back when they were in high school, they were organising a bit of a high school dance or something. Mm. And Nick Barker, who was quite the name in the uh, in the eighties, I believe, mm. the late eighties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, they booked Nick Barker to do, to uh, perform at the dance or the whatever it was, the function. Mm. And apparently, not many people rocked up. Oh, Nick, what's your dad doing? Yeah, not sure. You, you I don't get, think uh, they did all that well on the promotional end of things. You've got to get people through the doors, mate. Yeah, you got to get people. It's one thing to actually book the yeah, act. Yeah, number one rule. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. I should go and see another day on the Grant. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, there's not too much, though, at the moment. No. Um, there, there, there was the one with the B-52s mm. <laughs> a little while back. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it's usually around summer. And the, when the, line, they, the line for beers is so long, you've you got to get two at a time. Yeah, and they only have them in cans. Yeah. And they cost like $10 each. Yeah, because it's nice in the hot weather. Remember when it was really hot? Yeah, it was really hot. Oh, yeah, you also had Living End performing that day as well. They, aren't they the most phenomenal live act? There you go. I'd love to see them in a smaller venue. Yeah. Just like a little pub or something, because mm. this is a big outdoor stage. Mm. But yeah, if you get, get a chance to go and see someone down the green. It's a great day out. Yeah. So we'll move back to Supergroup September now. So we're going to announce the band we're doing. You obviously saw it in the title. But today we'll be looking at what could be arguably be known as the most famous collaboration in supergroup history. Yeah. Probably I mean, when, when you, when you, when you're looking at names, yeah. the names, I mean, everyone in this band has an incredible history. I'll, in qu- music. I'll quickly take you through it, Jake. You've got Jeff Lynn, mastermind behind ELO. ELO. A bit, a little, you've a little bit, got a little bit of a man crush on, on Jeff Lynn. You're a bit of a fan. I'm a big ELO fan. Uh, you've got uh, Tom Petty from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yep. Very, very talented singer songwriter. You've got uh, a little guy from Liverpool called George Harrison. And the Beatles. And the Beatles. You've got a little known act from uh, from America called Roy Orbison. It's a, it's a pretty good get. And you've got arguably the greatest songwriter to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, then we'll see. Bob yeah, Dylan. Uh, Bob Dylan. That's great. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm sure he does some great stuff on this arguably album. Arguably the greatest songwriter ever, Jack. Oh, I'm sure he is. But yeah. He's written songs for everyone. He's... Very look, talented man. Look up. <coughs> oh, we need some water in here. Yeah, there's a, some, some, we, <laughs> we, we need like a butler or something yeah, in the studio. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll get to that album now. So if it wasn't clear already, we are doing The Travelling Wilburys with their album, The Travelling Wilburys, Volume 1. Let's get to it. 
We didn't question each other, we just went right ahead and uh, sang what the other guy, because we were all fans as well. You know? Sometimes we both sing the same song, you know, just to see who sounded good, or if this key fits somebody. And that was a lot of the fun of writing the songs, because you didn't always know who was going to sing the song. One of the record company executives in, uh, called Jeff Ayroff from the Virgin Records, he, he thought this was really good and sort of encouraged us to do it. It was great fun to do, and it yeah. was a thrill, you know, to have people like Roy singing and stuff and playing guitar. That's the thing, we're all rhythm guitar players, really. And it's just great, we can all just strum together and make a tune up and uh, sing it all. We're the only band in the world with five rhythm guitar players. Album two of Supergroup September, The Travelling Wilburys. It's, um, it's an interesting one. I've heard it a few times. Yeah, we, we've had a bit of uh, time to digest this one. A lot of uh, critical acclaim for this. So there was a, I suppose you could say, a hint of expectation going in. And of course, we've heard a, we've all heard a few songs from this album, Handle With Care, uh, End of the Line, perhaps. Great songs that you'll hear on the radio. But as an album, you have all these other songs, which we'll get to, that, not to you know give anything away about our overall opinion, but just didn't really reach that standard. Hmm. Which is quite an, quite extraordinary when you have all of these incredible singer songwriters mm. um, in you know when you and you put them all in the one room. Mm, certainly. But yeah, so as per usual, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a little bit of the origins of the Traveling Wilburys, how they actually came to be. Yeah. So, firstly, Campbell, do you know what Wilbury actually means? No. No. So, uh, fun fact: before I, I knew they were all they all took up names. Like Nelson and Otis and... Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But do you know how the phrase Woolbury came around? No. So Jeff Lynne, before this album, Jeff Lynne was re- uh, recording with George Harrison on George's album Cloud Nine. So Jeff was acting as the producer. And the term Woolbury is used to refer to recording errors that were created by some faulty equipment. And so George would joke to uh, Jeff Lynne, we'll bury them in the mix. We'll bury Oh. See what I mean? Yeah, you see? Oh, right. So that's how that sort of came around. So, Will Berry. Will Berry. Will Berry. I suppose you need, like, the, the English accent to pull that one off. Yeah, you, it probably has a bit more of an inside. The Australian is Will Berry. It's a bit harsh, you know? Yeah. <coughs> Will Will Berry sounds like some, you know, Australian famous Australian footballer or something. Uh, Will Berry. Off the back, off the half-back flank. For St. Kilda or something. Yeah. Um, so, around this time... They were in Los Angeles, and Jeff Lynne was also doing some stuff with Roy Orbison on his uh, album Mystery Girl, which was actually released after his death. And also an album of Tom Petty's, which is called Moon, uh, Full Moon Fever. So they were all around at the time. And essentially, so around the time George Harrison was recording Cloud Nine, he, w- he was releasing a single called This Is Love, and the record company was essentially, you know, you, you need a B-side for that. You know, you just it can just be added filler, whatever, just something to you know pop on at the end. So one thing led to another, and they uh, it, this led to a meal or something, just a sort of like a casual meal between uh, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, and Roy Orbison, and they were just like, all right, we'll record this song together. Yeah. You know, we'll make it a bit of a collaborative thing. Yeah. And they needed to record at a studio, and the first place they thought of was Bob Dylan's home studio. Of course. So now we have four. But yeah. how did Tom Petty come into it is uh, quite interesting because it was very much a chance encounter because George Harrison had left his guitar at his place. So he went to pick it up and Tom Petty was just 
he just came for the ride. Mm. There you go. In regards to the songwriting process, it was described by Jeff Lynne as very relaxed. Yeah. A very relaxed experience, very enjoyable. You know, they just hang around, drink coffee. Roy Orbison would talk about stories of him in the old days meeting Elvis and whatnot. Yeah. And also the Wilburys, of course, became more of a a name, so to speak, rather than a bit of a joke to, you know, yeah. we'll bury him in the mix. So they all took on alt- alternate names yeah. for the band. So you got George Harrison as Nelson Wilbury, Jeff as Otis Wilbury, Roy Orbison Lefty Wilbury, Tom Petty as Charlie T. Wilbury Jr. Yep. And Bob Dylan as Lucky Wilbury. Yep. So it became sort of like they're all half-brothers in this traveling band yeah, that right. you know, goes across yeah, America yeah. and stuff. I saw that. And, and I, saw, I saw the, the producer... Was one, oh yeah, was it's, a couple of them. I'm like, yeah, there can't be a coincidence. And so you open up, you click it, and it says actually Jeff Lynne and George Harrison. That's right. It reminds me a little bit of something like Sergeant Pepper, going back to Beatles days. I was thinking days. that, and they take on their kind of alter egos. Yeah, Billy Shears, and yeah. I don't actually know what the others were called in Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, it, it was, was more like the collective band name rather yeah. than they had individual aliases and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so the album was written by all five of them and recorded over a ten-day period yeah. in uh, in 1988, and then released later that year. So we'll move on to some bit of trivia for the album now. It was released on October 18th, 1988. So it was very quick to record, very quick to release. Yep. And as you said, so it was produced by Nelson and Otis Wilbury. So on, on the top of your, on the top of your head, who do you think those are? I gave the names earlier, but uh, one of them's Jeff Lynne. Yeah, of course. And the other one is uh, George Harrison. Nail on the head. Yeah, perfect. The most of the album was actually recorded at Dave Stewart's home studio in Los Angeles. Do you know who Dave Stewart is? No. One half of the Eurythmics. Ah, there you go. Mm. Another thing I completely ne- neglected to mention: the B side to George Harrison's. This is Love single was handled with care. That was the song they wrote. Yeah, right. And the record company essentially said, This is too good to just be a filler B side. Can you guys do a full album? And they already had that idea that they should do a yeah, full right. album. So yeah. uh, fair enough they went to do that. But is is that song still on B side of George's That's actually a very good question. We'll look at that uh when we get to the song. Right. On. Uh so it was a massive album, particularly in the United States. It sold 2 million copies within six months, which is massive. Wow. And it won a Grammy Award for Best Rock Performance by a Duo, Vocal, or Group. Uh, so there's a lot of session musicians on this album, one of them being Jim Keltner. Oh, probably the most neglected musician of all time. I've got... Why can't he be a, a Wilbury? Well, he did have an alias on this album. His name is Buster Sidebury. Yeah, but he's... Oh, Sidebury, because he's like a Wilbury on the side. Hey, I like that. Yeah. That's a, yep, that's interesting. Uh, So I did a bit of research, and he's widely known as the leading session drummer in America. Yeah. He's performed with just about everyone. Yeah, he's performed with everyone that's come out of America. Yeah. Neil Young. Don't say Neil Young. Don't say Neil Young. Uh, (laughs) He's got a new new single out. Oh, does he? Yeah. Any good? I haven't listened to it. Good. Of course. (laughs) Another session musician that appears on the album, Jim Horn, who that did, seems very familiar. That name. who performed on Pet Sounds, yes, the Beach Boys, yes, yep, could be said he's the leading session saxophonist in America instead okay. of drummer. And this is also the uh, final recording Roy Orbison took part in because he unfortunately tragically died two months after the release of the album. Oh, really? Yeah, which is 
really sad. And he just, died of heart failure, didn't he? Yeah, heart attack. Very, yeah. very sudden. And he was still quite young as well, only in his 50s, which is still very young to uh, pass away like that. So anyway, we've got a lot to get through, so I think we'll go straight into the first song, which is Handle With Care. Being beat up and battered around Being sent up and I've been shot down You're the best thing that I've ever found Handle me with care Reputations changeable Situations tolerable Now, just before we go into that, funnily enough, for George Harrison's single, This Is Love, Handle With Care isn't the B-side on that. They went for a different song. Right. I reckon it would have been a really good marketing opportunity. Yeah, to have that as sort of Obviously like... Obviously, they didn't need it to sell on two million in six months. No. But uh, So, Handle With Care, what do you think? Great song. Yeah, great, every, everyone knows this song. Great opening song. Brilliant song. Um, great guitar sound, a full, rich guitar jo- sound. George Harrison, uh, I'm just going to say this now, he is the star of this album. Yeah. He brought it all together, and whenever he's at the front, the album really shines. Yeah. And uh, straight away in this song, the section I just played with his vocal, that's one of the best parts on the album. Absolutely. But yeah. moving on to the next part of the song, which is sort of like a bridgy sort of part with Roy Orbison. Yeah, brilliant. He's ha- he's He has a very interesting voice, yeah. doesn't he? It's... I've heard and... I've heard other people say it's sort of like otherworldly. You know, it's sort of haunting and yeah. hypnotizing at yeah. times. Personally, his vibrato is a little too much for me at times, but yeah. uh, in sections such as this, I think it really works well. So I'll play that section now. The other reason I like this song is because you've essentially got all members of the Wilburys singing it, yep. uh, except for Tom Petty, I think. He's in, the back, he's in the back. Yeah, he's, he's in the back, but he doesn't have a solo no. moment on no. his own. So you've got another bridge section which comes on after that uh, Roy Orbison part. And the first one, you've got Bob Dylan singing, mm-hmm. and then the second one, you've got Jeff Lynne singing. Yeah. So I'll play the Bob Dylan one because I think that uh, is a good use of his uh, sort of vocals because it's... I'll admit, but you know, Bob Dylan isn't the best singer in the world. Yeah. And personally, I think he's given a little too much uh, time on this album Yep. Uh, by himself where he sings. Uh, fortunately, in this sort of section, his uh, voice is sort of buried, not, not buried in the mix, but he's got the other harmonies in the background that sort of boost his own voice. So yep. I'll, I'll play that section now as well. Everybody's got somebody to leave. Put your body next to mine and dream. Also, just going back to George Harrison. So, I love the melodies in the verses um, that we play the at the beginning. They sort of like lag a beat, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he's sort of syncopating his melodies. Yeah, it's really subtle, but I, you know, I really like the way he does it. Yeah, it's so effort, effortless and so forth. And another thing as well is the slide guitar, as you mentioned before. Yeah, sounds great. Um, even the acoustic guitars, I'm not sure, there's probably a lot of them going. Probably three or four of them. Well, all of them play guitar on this yeah. album. Um, I said the yeah, the backing sound, the backing vocals sound like, kind of like promising. You know, mm. they sound as if they're they're thought about and they're calculated. Yeah. 
It's just a great opening tune. It is a really, really good tune. You've got a little harmonica solo at the end as That's well. That's Roy Orbison. That is Roy. Yeah. So, <laughs> good contribution early. But this is a really, really good opener. Yeah. And almost, if not the best song on the album, definitely close. Yeah. So, we'll move on to song two now, which is called Dirty World. You don't need no wax job. You're smooth enough for me. If you need your oil change, I'll do it for you. Not bad. Good song. The kind of smutty lyrics yeah. from Dylan don't suit as a probably a 60-year-old man. <laughs> well, how old would he have been here? He's in the 80s. He's born... I think he would have been mid-40s here. No. Well, he's 75 now, 30 years ago. He was born in the 40s. Oh, yeah. He'd be, no, he'd be late. He'd be late 40s. At least. I don't, I don't think it works. I don't think he's works. No, well, this is like the first example on the album where... You know, maybe too much Dylan isn't that good. No. And, you know, he's given those verses to sing, and I can sort of get why. Like, it's not as bad as some of the stuff we hear later. I but think Tom Petty would have seen this song better. I, I wholeheartedly agree. With his kind of twang that yep. he's got. And Tom Petty does not get enough time to shine on this album. No. He gets... Because he's, he's a young kid. He sort of is, yeah. Tom he's Petty a, would be 30. Yeah, around this point, yeah. Because he played in the 70s and the 80s. Mm. He, he, I always consider someone to be 20 when they first start. Yeah. Whether that's true or not. So, he'd be late 30s. Definitely. So he yeah, would he, he would have been the young guy. He'd be the young kid. And unfortunately, the song he's given a little bit later isn't good. Yeah, right. Well, he probably wrote it, but... Um, yeah. On the plus side, this has got some great horns in it, which is... Yeah, some good horns. A nice change. That you, that you hear. But firstly, it starts with that acoustic guitar intro which acts as a bit of a motif that repeats throughout yep. the whole thing uh, so I'll play that now and it's a very old fashioned style guitar riff mm. you imagine that they uh, they like sit around playing acoustic guitars yeah you know, and that's where most of the stuff comes from. Yeah. Because um, you don't hear much electric guitar on this album. I don't think it's no. that kind of... It's like a folk, folk yeah. group, essentially. Yeah. So. And, uh, the other, and the other thing with the acoustic intro, what I like is they sort of update the sound a little bit by having a synth play in the background. Yeah. Just little, you know, melodic lines. Yeah. Uh, or just sort of legato notes that it's are very, playing. Uh, it's very non-Jack of you. What, what do you mean? Like a like in a synth in a kind of folk song. I think it's interesting. I, I like the way they've done that right. because... You generally yeah. don't like amalgamations of, of different genres. You cracked your fingers then I when know. you were... I didn't mean to do that. I'm not sure that showed up on the mic. You don't usually like the blending of genres. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I mind it. Uh, I, when it's done well, it's certainly good. In this case, I think it's done quite well because, you know, folk music had its real heyday in the 60s and 70s. By the 80s, it's not exactly a mainstream genre. Mm. So they've got to find a way to, you know, update it a little bit. And including the little synth in the background is very subtle, but it's a, a really nice touch to the song. I agree. Uh, so there's this cool moment where Bob Dylan sings something like about the other members of my gang. Yes. And there's sort of like this build-up of... Gonna, I, every, like, I wonder if you, if you mentioned that. That's yeah, really clever. Mm. Not dissimilar to... Uh, a part last week or the week before in the Crosby, Stills and Nash album, um, they had a part there of harmonies. Mm. It was like, and me, yes, and me, yes, and me. Yes, 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 yes. 
and this is kind of happened again. It it seems to be a thread as if you know we're supergroups, so it's all mentioned that we're all kind of here, mm. you know. Yeah. Like five fingers of the fist coming together. If you, oh, if you, we'll get to that later. If you watch Supergroup. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's everyone's homework assignment. Absolutely. Uh, so, but I I'll, noticed that as well. I'll play that section yeah. now because that's a really good Great bit of musicianship. And I love how their all their vocals are really quickly cut off. Yeah. So you've got say like George at the beginning, Roy. Then yeah. You've got you cut you've got, off. You've got a second, guys. You've got two seconds. Yeah. To you've got do two seconds thing. to just go ah, uh, yeah. and, that, and that's it. We'll cut you into the song. Yeah. Uh, there's also another really good vocal section towards the end where all the members are singing. They yes. all sort of like take turns singing a line. Yeah. You imagine that you know there's one microphone. They all kind of step in and do their little yeah. bit. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Exactly. And personally, I don't think there's enough of that on this album. Yeah. Right. There's too many songs that are dedicated to just the one singer. Yeah. Or just two. I want to see you know a few more songs where they all have uh, different sections within the song. And they're, also, they're all such good singers. Why aren't we seeing here in five part harmonies? Yeah, that's a good point. Four, uh, even four-part harmonies and then a main vocalist. I mean, there's some that are sort of in the background, but they're never really the main focus. Yeah. I'm, think, I'm thinking like some Beach Boys style. Yeah. You know, but... But anyway, with the, the section with all the members singing, I'll play that now. In the section I just played, I think it was, I don't know who it was, it may have been Jeff Lynne, uh, he uses the term Trembling Wilbury instead of Travelling. Yeah. And a little bit of the trivia, Trembling Wilbury was the original name for the band before they changed it to Travelling. Right. And they became a bit of like a, a fictional road band. Well, perhaps they um, perhaps they wrote that when they were, the Trembling Wilburys. Yeah, you know? maybe. And, and they, they just, just decided to keep it. Just keep it. Yeah. The other thing is, well, just going back to the whole idea of it, sort of like a, a fictional band, you know, I love, as you know, I love the idea of like a concept album. Yeah. It's sort of like a concept band, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like they're all these characters, like in a concept album, you'll have characters, yeah. but here, like the band members are actually characters. Yeah. Like, like, like Spinal Tap, yeah. for instance. I, I mean, they're a comedy band, but. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy the same kind of theatric thing, you know, and they've mm. all had quite serious um, yeah, groups that they all come from, yeah, like quite respectable musical acts. Mm. Um, you know, Beatles, Dylan, Roy Orbison, these are huge guys. Yeah, um, ELO and, and all that the jazz. Heartbreakers as well are huge. Um, but to be able to come together and have a bit of fun is it seems to be coming through on the album so far. Yes, so far. So, but good, good two songs. Good. Yeah, good two songs. That song could have been used a bit of improving, as we said. Maybe Tom Petty. Or yeah. something on lead vocals, but otherwise, I think it's a pretty good song. Yeah, move on to the next song now. This is Raffle.
Just a really fun tune, that one. Fun. Yeah. That's, I think it, it represents what the band's about. And the funnest part, there's, there's one part of the song that is so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roy Orbison does this famous little growl thing in his song, which is obviously a throwback to a pretty woman. Mm. Um you know, also, I wish I heard more of that. You know, he goes, Mercy. Like, I'd love to hear <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's such an old fashioned I'd love to hear thing. that. And we, we pro- and we played that in the section we um, to showcase the song a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's just a really fun song, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so we've got Jeff Lynn on lead vocals. First time we've really heard him. Yeah. Uh, as you know, the big, massive ELO fan that I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I reckon that's great. Again, he and Tom Petty probably aren't given too much time. I think to shine. they're the young kids. I really think it is. Yeah, well, Jeff, Jeff would have been same age group as uh, Dylan and Harrison, maybe a few years younger. Mm. How old is Jeff Lynn now? He's 70, I think. Bitch can get all their ages up. Because I, I'm sure that that would play a part. You, know, you, you reckon? <coughs> their ages? Of course, yeah. What do you know, kid? I've been... Then, I was oh, in the oh, Beatles. On, on that logic, why wasn't Roy Orbison given more songs to sing? Because he's only got the one real, really the one song himself. That's true. That's true. So, and you've got a lot of collaborative efforts between other artists as well oh. towards uh, the end of the album. But uh, anyway, so with this song, it's such a shuffle, skiffle tune, you know? Yeah. It's such, it has such a 1950s feel to it. And I'll play the intro uh, now so you can get a feel for that. saying Jeff Lynn was 39 when this came out. So probably, I don't know. I suppose he's born in the 40s, but he's yeah. born in like a late 40s. So. I think all of them were born in the 40s. Fo- oh, except for Roy Orbison. He was probably 30s. 30s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were saying while this song was playing that it seems dated. I, uh, yeah, I think it is. I mean... But maybe, is that what they're going for, maybe? Maybe they're, they're looking oh, for I, a bit of a I have no doubt that this is the stuff they love playing. Yeah. And they think it's a good song for the album and I think it works really well on this album but commercially I think the song is quite dated you know compared what? to some other things that were being released around the time like, you know Def Leppard's Hysteria and yeah. everything else around that I time. don't think they're worried about that no I don't think they're too worried they know the I think boys I think we've got you covered they know the album's gonna sell mm. and if it doesn't who cares yeah They've well got... something I want to talk about a little bit later is you know they all these artists weren't too critically successful at this point in their careers in the late 80s. So I want to talk a bit about that towards the end of the podcast where this was a bit more of an attempt to get a bit of success, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, you know, I'd like to see their combined um, album sales. Mm, Oh, yeah. Beatles, ELO, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty. Absolutely. Huge. Crazy. Uh, Just going back to Rattle, the, the song we're actually talking about right now. Yeah. There's a real old-fashioned, you know, guitar lead, guitar leads in this song, which yeah. are, I think, played by George Harrison. Uh, he, I think, he handles most of the electric guitar stuff on this album. So I'll play some of that now. The other thing as well, how many acoustic guitars do you think they layered? Uh, on top of each other. I think you've got at least four. At least. Yeah. Because all of them are listed down as playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. And the other thing as well, Tom Petty has a little moment with the upright bass. Yeah. On this. 
uh, because he's listed as being the main bass player for the album. Yeah, well, yeah. No one else is listed else as bass. Yeah, Tom, someone had to. Tom Petty's a pull the uh, a natural multi instrumentalist though. He oh yeah, he can play everything. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, the rest of them aren't. I mean, I suppose Harrison. Harrison played bass on um, something. Did he? By the Beatles. I'll take your word for that. Yeah, like a really complex bass part. Mm. So they play a bit of bass. Bit of bass. Um, bit, of, bit of bass. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just a reference to a Simpsons episode probably no one has ever seen. Uh, um, so. Wasn't. Which one of the Wilburys were in The Simpsons? Was Tom Petty Tom, on, on Tom that episode? <laughs> uh, George Harrison, you were saying before. Was oh, George, George Harrison. Then came the greatest thrill of my life. Oh. Hello, Homer. I'm George Harrison. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God! Where did you get that brownie? Over there, there's a big pile of them. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, what a nice fella. That's a really f- fantastic <laughs> yeah. moment. Um, I don't think Bob Dylan never was. Oh, he must have been. No, I don't think he has. Roy Orbison was, I know. Was he? Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to find it in I'll, the break. I'll uh, like make a big... A compilation of these and stick them in the podcast or something. Okay. I always love um, finding if someone, you know, from an album we've covered has been on The Simpsons. Yeah, surely. Yeah. I always uh, like looking at that. Uh, I think that's just about it for Rattled. So now we'll move on to the Tom Petty song of the album, which is Last Night. Nope. No? No. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a bit of a filler, isn't it? Yeah. It's all chorus. Yeah, all chorus. It's got this like reggae sort of feel to it. Well, it's got like a, yeah, it's got the kind of some timbales. It's like the, the, the instrumentation is interesting because it's something that's a little bit refreshing. Try, yeah. Let's try and see the positive side, Jack. Let's see. Let's <laughs> I'm on. the one to look at the positive no, side. No, no, I'm always one to no, that's shit. No, it's not playing that. Um, yeah, it's just not. A song, it, it, as you, you were just saying, it's very chorusy. Uh, that chorus is. is repeated ad nauseum. Like, I was getting bored of it already. Yeah, it's not a great hook either. No. Not one that lingers in the mind. Uh, so you got Tom Petty on lead vocals. I think he sounds fine. He's got a great voice. Yeah, I, I love Tom Petty's voice, but uh, it's just a song. Uh, it's just, nah. Mm. In the meantime, let's go um, to some uh, Simpson stuff. Yeah. We found a plenty of Simpson stuff. Yeah. So what was this thing, Homer asking Lisa... Uh, well, because I think it's the episode where uh, he, she's mad at him for missing uh, a, a, a concert or something. All right. And she says, you don't know anything about me. And, and he comes out and he says this. Yep. <coughs> Look, Lisa, I'm still trying to get to know you. Who's your favourite travelling Wilbury? Is it Jeff Lynn? So, although they weren't in the uh, actual episode, they were no. mentioned. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. also another great... Uh, uh, I, I never thought Jeff Lynn would get a mention in a Simpsons episode. No, no. That, al- that, that is fantastic. There's also the, probably one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier. Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, <laughs> run by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. With uh, Elvis Costello yep. and uh, this man himself, Tom Petty. And so Tom Petty is running a, uh, a songwriting mm. class and... Uh, He's, uh, this is essentially his little bit. Lyrics are the hardest part of songwriting, but when you come up with something meaningful and heartfelt... Boring! Will you stop saying that? But rock stars are supposed to be about drinking and getting drunk and boozing it up. And girls that have legs and know how to use them. And why I can't drive 55! 
You just want mindless, generic rock? Precisely! Uh. See that drunk girl speeding down the street? She's worried about the state of public schools. Boo! She likes to party, she likes to rock. Yeah! She prays that our schools don't run out of chalk. So that's just... Uh... And for, the, for those watching, uh, you can't see it. He's got the acoustic guitar. He flips it over and it's an electric guitar <laughs> on the other side. And that's when the big, you know power cord yeah. comes in she's worried about the state of public, <laughs> public schools <laughs> uh and then the other the other one we could find was of course um george harrison yeah, which, which we played earlier which we played earlier uh i'm not sure if there's a bob dylan i'm gonna look we might come back yeah, we'll, to it we'll have a look at that more but i'm sure there's another song with bob dylan that we won't want to talk too much about later on so we'll fill it with that let's let's uh <laughs> let's get on but no uh, but why is it why is it no good? It's it's chorusy. It's, it's repetitive. Repetitive. It's I'm, easy. I'm not. I'm not a big reggae fan either. I don't think it was. It was. It was necessarily reggae. It certainly had elements, but just that syncopated guitar strums that come in later on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's got a bit of brass as well, which is a very reggae thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you do have a nice Roy Orbison bridge. So we'll play that. Oh, and you do have a cowbell. Yes. There is a cowbell in the song as well. Anyway, I think, yeah, there's not too much else to talk about with that one. Do you want to just move on? Yeah. All right, this is called Not Alone Anymore. I remember listening to that when I was uh, first going through the album yesterday, and I wasn't a big fan of that one. Mm. Listening to it again, I didn't mind it. Yeah, didn't mind it either. Yeah. It's interesting to see the, the effect of kind of the mood and mm. how you feel and all that kind of yeah. stuff has an effect it's, on the song. That's a great song. It's a great vocal performance. I think it's a well-rounded song. Yeah. I, just some the, of the previous songs, like Last Night, like uh, Dirty World, had a couple of sections that just mm. lingered you're a right, little it's bit well too long. It's, 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 it's just it's a well... Cons- yeah. Consistently good from start to finish. Yeah. Um, as far as solo vocal efforts on the album go, that's going to be one of the best from... I'd, from, I'd agree. From a... Roy Orbison, who is past his prime. Um, you can hear the age in his voice. You can hear the age it's, in his it's voice. It's that little bit more frail, but... It I works think, for the song, I think. I think so, too, it's, because it's, it's it, has, it has that more yeah, vulnerability and emotion to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, t- I think some of it doesn't sound too great at times. You know, you really hear that fragility in his voice. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I like that. Yeah. I, I think that it suits the song. Perhaps he was even chosen because that suits the song. Um, I mean, he's one of the great voices... Of all time, yeah. if, you, if you consider all those all those singers, um, so I don't think anyone's expecting him to be, you know, um, Roy Orbison of of the fifties or Roy Orbison of the sixties. I just think that he was um, past his prime, but I, th- I think he was probably that's one of the best solo vocal performances. We've yeah, heard. I, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. So uh, the start of the song has a very uh, handle with care sort of vibe, the way yeah. the guitar sounds. So yeah. I'll play that now. 
Something as well, just talking about how the song is fairly well-rounded. I think the verses in the song are very strong. Mm. Just the chord progressions and the uh, Roy Orbison's melodies that go over it. Yeah. Um, they're just, you know, hooky. Yeah, they're, sure. They're hooky, they're catchy. And so I'll play one of those now. Yeah, this one's grown on me a little bit. Yeah, I reckon. Mm. Good. Me too. I agree. I thought it was a bit... Maybe because it had come some, some bad ones and it brings the whole album down and... Yeah, well, the songs that are uh, either sides of this album, Last Night, and the one that comes afterwards are a bit dodgy. Yeah. So this one sort of... It sort of awkwardly fits in the middle. Yeah. And it was sort of like, oh, you know, you need a real corker of a song here. And when I was listening to it yesterday, I didn't think that this was it. But it's come pretty close. Yeah. It's come pretty close. Yeah. Oh, Lord, next song. Uh, so, next song is another Dylan song, and it's called Congratulations. Let's get to it now. Congratulations for breaking my heart. Congratulations for tearing it all apart. Congratulations you finally did succeed. Congratulations for leaving me in need. Musically, fantastic. Musically, great. Great. Before we move on to the elephant in the room, do you yeah. want to just play the intro? Yeah, just, some great, great chord changes. That first, in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, look, I admire Bob Dylan and his career. I think he's done some incredible things over, you know, a career that spanned 50 years or so. But the fact that he's doing lead vocals here absolutely destroys the song. Yeah, Absolutely sure. destroys yeah. it. Um, I think this should be probably a good run for Jeff Lynne. Yep. I think suit Anyone else. Or Ethan. Anyone else. Yeah. I'm just thinking of people who haven't had really a, a shot. Get... Vince Neil from Motley Crue, and he'd sing it better. Yeah, right. Wow, that's. He, it's. I, 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 I'm. Oh, it, I think you no. know what, what wouldn't be so bad if he didn't sing in that backing vocal as well. Because mm. he's got that kind of that gravelly Dylan yeah. voice, but if you just had that backing vocal been really smooth, because it's just kind of a constant flow of Dylan. Yeah, it's. Um. So. Look, again, musically, it's great. It's really good. There's some no- and there's some nice synthy parts, you know, scattered in the if verses. You the vocal, it'd be a great thing to play like a bit of guitar over. Yeah. Like a, as a backing track. I think so. Um, but yeah, once again, um, not really great songwriting either. It's a bit easy. Yeah, it's a bit repetitive. Um, as well. I don't really like that. And it's not because of Dylan singing. I don't really like that congratulations hook in the chorus. Yeah. It's a bit too simple. But Dylan's just unforgivable here. I can't forgive that. Yeah, right. I can't, can't forgive that. <laughs> yeah, he started so diplomatic, didn't he? Like, yeah, I respect his career. And yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think that's there's not really much worth talking about. Yeah, and also we had a look to see yeah. if we could find if Dylan's made a cameo on The Simpsons or anything. Or not really the case. He hasn't he hasn't really delved into the world of there's, cartoons. There's a there's an impersonation. Or was it Family Guy? No, 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 there's a Simpsons one, but it was an impersonation, it wasn't actually oh. him, which I, just, I don't think is as funny. No. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I think that's, 
that's all of them. They don't really have any more no, yeah. people in The Simpsons. Um, so, that could be a new segment, if they've been in The Simpsons or not. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I reckon that's probably it for that song. Yeah. Bit of a bummer. but I was, I was maybe a bit harsh on Dylan, but it's not good. No, it's not great. It's not <laughs> great. It's, it, let's be honest, it's just not good. Yeah. Good career, mate, but just, just stick to what you're good at, Yeah, honestly. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to the next song. Finally, we get to hear a bit of George again. So yeah. he is heading for the light. I wandered around, nothing more than time on my hand. I was lost in the night with no sight of you. And at times it was so blue and lonely, heading for the light. Close to the edge, hanging by my An improvement. An improvement. A song that would be acceptable to play, you know, in the car or yeah. at home or whatever, but to listen to <laughs> intently is, it's a bit meh. It is a bit meh. It's a nice song. But it's great, it's great to hear George again. Yeah, it's a nice little ditty. Yeah. I don't think it's anything special. My problem with the song is that it, again, it follows that pattern and it's a bit repetitive. Mm. Like, literally two minutes into the song, I'm already a bit bored and I feel like I've heard everything it has to offer. Yeah, I feel like they go from zero to a hundred as soon as they can. They don't really build up songs or... No. It's not really a delicate procedure. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's good to hear... Uh, it is good to hear George Harrison. Too. Yeah, star of the album so far. I think the guitar playing, electric guitar playing on the album's been top-notch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely top-notch. Yep. I think Jeff Lynne pitches in occasionally as well, but I... Th- I think it's mainly George. Yeah. Uh, very Beatles-like intro to start yes. off with, which is fitting. Yes. It reminds me of like eight days a week, yep. you know, the intro yeah, to I that. So I'll play that now. So it nearly makes up for the last nights and congratulations of the album, but yeah, just, and you know, there's the false ending towards the end. Yeah. I don't think that's needed. Yeah. Uh, because the song ends and then it comes back into it with a saxophone. So I love the saxophone. That's great. Yeah, nice Put change. it earlier in the song, please. Yeah, right. Because by that point in the song, I'm already bored of it, ready True. to move on. And, yeah, then, and then I'm just like, oh, it's carrying on for a bit longer. Saxophone's great, but it's not enough, not enough to maintain my interest. Yeah. Uh, another good moment in the song, though, Jeff Lynne pops in to sing some harmonies in the sort of like at the bridgey part. Yeah. So I'll play a bit of that now. Yeah, probably, it's certainly improvement, probably about a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. You want to move on? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is, oh, you didn't mind this song? Yep. Margarita. Yeah. I, I I just like the difference, I like the change. Uh, like sure, it's not the greatest song ever, but I, yeah. But I I enjoy the that it's just it, a bit different. It is different, I'll give you that. But as a song, 
personally, I just think it's a mess. Right. You've got this techno synthy intro it's a thing. Fancy synth, yeah. Don't mind yeah, that. That's that's cool. I don't I don't mind that. Um, it's just several different parts. I don't I don't feel there's much structure here. And right. look, and look, I know I've talked about how things are repetitive. Granted, this song has a lot of different sections, but personally, I just don't think any of them are good. Hmm. And again, you know, you've got Bob Dylan singing the first part again. Enough with Dylan. I've had enough of Dylan. Right. Give me back Tom Petty. Give me some more Jeff. Uh, granted, Jeff Lynne sings later in this song, but you know, let him open the song. Right. But look, I'll play that opening uh, synthy modern part or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. Acoustic guitars come in and drown that out. I'm just incredibly confused. Right. I'm not sure what it's trying to be, if you know what I mean. I just think it's a little idea, you know? Just a little idea. I thought, oh, can't do much damage, surely. I just don't know if there's a song in there. Yeah, okay. There's some great guitar playing by George mind. again. Some slide playing. Mind, I thought it was a bit, it was not so guitar-y. It was a bit more riffy and exciting yeah. and just some bit different. Yeah, some great riffy guitar parts around mm. it just didn't work with me unfortunately oh well and there was this weird island chanting thing towards like later in the song that I thought was just sort of weird yep it was weird <laughs> yes it was yes that was weird yep and yeah oh, look I'll, I'll leave it there I think oh. I'll, I think I'll leave it there okay I think I'll leave it there uh, moving on so Heading to the end of the album now. This is an interesting song. This is Tweeter and the Monkey Man. I reckon that's actually my favourite song on the album. Yeah, it's close to it, isn't it? And that's a Dylan song. Yeah, and uh, and I'm saying that, but that's a proper yeah. Dylan song. Yeah, that's a, like a story. Just listen to the words. It's, a, it's a gritty and it's dirty, and mm. I like it. I think it's 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 better than the you know the shimmering guitars and the mm. you know last night and yeah, congratulations. You know, all those lovey dovey songs. Yeah. This is a great real storytelling song. Oh, I I agree. Um, so I would have I would have loved to see the other guys um, sing a few more verses. Yeah, they. They appear in the chorus as some backing vocals. Fun fact, this is the only song on the album not to feature Roy. Right. Not He's uh, not singing in any capacity on this song. Right. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Yep, so good intro to start off with that establishes that main guitar riff. Yeah, I like that. Yep. But I think Dylan's voice suits the song quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is that more storytelling sort of song. Yep. So this tells the story of... Uh, Drug dealers, which is always fun. Yeah. You got one called the Tweeter and one called the Monkey Man. Right. I and think I'd go and see the Monkey Man. The monkey Man, yeah. He sounds a bit more uh more trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna go buy some cocaine or or hash as uh, As he says, that's right. As Poppy says. Uh it is a bit long and repetitive, but saying that it sort of gets away with it because it tells a story. I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics 
all that much, but mm. I'm sure if you listen to those in a bit more detail, it would certainly uh, paint a, pi- a real picture of the story and it's a lot easier to listen to. Yeah. Uh, I think the song sounds great. Mm-hmm. That chorus uh, where everyone's singing, which we played before, sounds really good. Yeah, it's this is a song that surprised me. When I saw that it was Bob Dylan that would be singing it, you know, it crossed my head again that, oh, this could be another disaster in mm. the making, but he does He does okay. No, he held I'll, his own. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him the points. Yeah. I'll give him the points. There you go. Three, three votes. Uh, three votes. B. Dylan. Yep. Just uh, um, going to the verses. So that's the main repetitive part yep. of the song. It is. Yep. Uh, in fact, I'll play one now. Twitter and the monkey man were hard up for cash. They stayed up all night selling cocaine and hash. To an undercover cop who had a sister named Jan. For reasons unexplained, she loved the monkey man. Twitter was a boy scout for she went. The thing is, is that that's repeated about five times, and I get that's because of lyrics and story and all that. I reckon you can add some more dynamics to them as they go. Yeah. Or, you know, drop everything out, just make it him that's singing. Mm. You know, take out the drums, the guitar, everything. Yeah. Um, just to change the dynamic a little bit, or everything plays softly in the final yeah, bit, final verse. Yeah, it's a or, bit kind of um, almost thunderous. It just kind of keeps going. Yeah. It do- yeah, the dynamic's just very consistent throughout mm. It could have been changed a little bit, but not a bad song. No. It's it's a, it's an almost song for me. Right. Almost song. It's but it's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to the final song now. This is end of the line. Well, it's all right. That's the, you think their the big song, their most famous song. Not H- Handle With Care, you reckon? I reckon that's bigger. Yeah? That's the song I knew. I've heard Handle With Care, but I know that song. All right, so end of the line then. That's um, the end of the line. Yeah, fit, fitting. Mm. Isn't it? It's a good closer. Yeah. I, I think this works really, really well as a closer. Yeah. Uh, everyone gets a chance to sing at some point. Yeah. We hear Tom Petty in the verses. Good to hear him again. Yes. Uh, he sounds really good on this. George... Uh, Sings the first chorus of the song. He sounds great there. Jeff sings a chorus. Roy sings a chorus. I think Bob's just lingering in the backing vocals, which I'm okay with. Yep. Has a real road trip feel to it. Yep. You know, I, I can imagine them singing this in the you know back of a bus or well, that's, a, that's the whole traveling thing, isn't it? Or a truck or something. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that goes back to the whole yeah traveling Wilburys uh, family band road trip vibe that they've got going on with the concept of the band and album. Uh, it's again a little repetitive, but the tones of everyone's yeah, voices okay. throughout the song make it okay. Uh, but yeah, good closer. I agree. I, I, I really think um, that was a good closer. So uh, there's probably not too much else to. T- Actually, I'll play the intro from that because I like the little riff they they have going there. Well, it's all. Yeah, so very, very good. So now we come to the moment where we have a look at the album in full and see what could be improved. But firstly, you got a favourite song? Yeah, yeah, probably End of the Line mm-hmm. or that other one, Bob Dylan Sings. Monkey Man? Monkey Man. i got to go Handle With Care. Right. I think, yeah. I think all-round songwriting, I think that's the best on the album. Nothing is repeated too much. 
everything's fresh. And I think that sums up what this band was really trying to do with this album that, you know, wasn't quite executed to perfection. Mm. So I think they did a really good job uh, with conveying what they wanted to with that song. Uh, songs that can be taken out of the album. I don't think we'll hear many complaints when we say last night. Yep. And maybe congratulations. No, I can actually stay. I do. I do. I'm being serious. Are you si- I'm, I'm sure. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what. Keep congratulations as long as someone else sings it. Because that, that was the main problem I had with the song. No, I reckon you just keep it. No. Not every song needs to be perfect. <laughs> I think. Well, well, what's the justification for keeping it? Oh, it's all right. Music, yes. It's okay. The music's good. So Yeah, music's good. So get, get Tom Petty to sing it, then I'll keep it. Well, we can't do that. We can't change the way it was recorded or done or whatever. I would keep it. If, if it was my final cut, that would make it just because it's a nice tune. Yeah. It's a nice song. I'll make a point towards Margarita. Uh, yeah, okay. I'd prefer to have Congratulations to Margarita. I, I liked it. I, I tell you, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was something different and a little bit cool. Uh, I, thought, I thought it could have been an instrumental. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, I, an instrumental would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll take Margarita off and we'll take... Last Night. Last Night off. It's funny because Tom Petty, around this point in time, wrote Free Fallen. Mm-hmm. That would have been an interesting song to put in instead of Last Night. Mm. Imagine imagine that. Would have been a huge album. Yeah, they all have to share the rights of it, though. Yeah, true. Uh, and he had massive success with that as a solo artist. Uh, that's a huge song. Yeah, not much will change in regards to track order, but I'll... I'll compromise. If you get rid of Margarita, I'll keep congratulations. All right. Because I prefer the music in congratulations. You know, just listening to it again, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being yesterday. Because I remember listening to it and I just thought that was a bit overrated. Maybe It was, be- still, it was still hugely overrated. Yeah, still massively overrated. But I think it was because when five musicians of this caliber come together for something like this and it's been critically acclaimed for nearly 30 years now and sold millions upon millions of albums you expect it to be you know, you know pretty pretty good Absolutely. and when I, and I was going in with those expectations yesterday mm. and I've sort of redefined those as you know th- they were just coming together having a bit of fun mm. uh, with this album and I certainly enjoyed it more on this listen than I did yesterday but saying that it is still a very as you said, overrated album, in my opinion. So it's just one of the kind of first albums we haven't really enjoyed. I'd agree with that, yeah. There's so many... We like haven't. We've tried to find the, the positives, but it hasn't been... I, I wouldn't buy it. No. I wouldn't listen to it. No. Again. There are so many almost songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of tweaking, extra section here, or taking a section out would have improved the album a lot, but I don't think they were trying to write the best album of all time with this. No. I think, again, they were just... Hey, uh, we're when in Rome, we're all together. Yep, let's let's something. write let's write and, and record an album in ten days and see what happens. Yeah. And they went on to do another album after this, the Traveling Wilburys Volume Three. Yeah. They they skipped the two. Yeah, totally important. A- apparently, I'm not. I haven't actually listened to anything from Volume Three. I'm not sure if it's any good or not. But of course, they went on without Roy Orbison. Mm. And. Apparently, they called it Volume 3 just to screw with everyone's heads a little bit. Yeah. It's sort of like with Chicken Foot. They did a similar thing. You're right. They, like, their first album was Chicken Foot 1, and their second album was Chicken Foot 4 or 3 or something. That might they be did a similar copy thing. of another super group. It might be a copy of them. Yeah, maybe. There was this old... Unfo- uh, unfortunately, Chicken Foot didn't make the final cut for Supergroup no. September, quite tragically. No, there's this old wives' tale about 
you know, on the final day at school, these kids got two sheep. No, they got three sheep. And on the backs, they spray painted one, three, and four. Right. And they released them in the school. And so all these pigs are running around. They got one, three, and four. And they got all these pigs together, and they spent the whole day looking for pig number two, <laughs> which didn't exist. Of course. So what, what, do, what do people have against the number two? I don't know. It's been skipped a lot, mm. I reckon. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. It wasn't bad, but it just... Meh. No, but it wasn't, wasn't good. Songs like Handle With Care, End Of The Line... Twitter and the well, they need they need one. They need some singles, so yeah, you know. the, and yeah, those are the easy picks, obviously. But there's just a lot of filler, a lot of filler from in between. So you start strong and you finish strong, but in between, there's just four, four or five songs that are just really average. Yeah, that really could have been, funnily enough, B sides to any of their other albums. Yeah, like if you put a song like, let's say. A song like "Heading for the Light." Yeah. If George Harrison released that as the B side for "This Is Love," mm-hmm. it wouldn't have received any attention. But because yeah. it's attached to this, well, that's what, that's it's the, attached to this brand, yeah. if you will, that's of the what I'm saying. There's no, they don't care what mm. happens because they know it's going to sell. Mm. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is so last week or the last podcast we talked about how supergroups are formed and you know, some of the motives behind them, like Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, it's all very early in their careers. They just got together because they were unsatisfied with their other bands and ended up just writing all these really great songs. With this, it was it's sort of a similar deal with, they all just were really good friends and mm. they just got together and, to write a few songs. But I like to think that there was a bit of an alternative motive to it all. In the late 80s, they didn't, None of them were really big in the mainstream. Yeah. They, no real hits or anything going around. It was a real bleak period for artists of the, you know, 60s and 70s, yeah. the mid to late 80s, when this whole new sound was taking over. Yeah, real, and they didn't, sort of dis- they didn't keep up with yeah, it. Yeah, di- disco and, uh, you know, the hair metal craze yeah, and glam. Punk was big. Yeah, uh, sort of the beginning of grunge as well in the yeah. late 80s, that sort of underground punk scene. Yeah. And all these old rock artists from the 60s and 70s and to a lesser extent Tom Petty who started a little bit later they just weren't really getting the mainstream attention so was it you know in the back of their heads did they feel that if we do this if all five of us get together we could make it big again yeah you know really hit the main and it worked and it worked for them they sold two million albums and won a Grammy yeah but did the did the individual guys Harrison's career Harrison died a few years later yeah 15 about 15 years later oh yeah True, 2004, wasn't it? Three. Three. I think, or two. I forget. Harrison's career didn't really do anything after that. Roy Orbison died. Bob Dylan's career didn't do much. He had a few albums that were, that were all right. Tom uh, Tom Petty's doing okay. Tom Petty's going all he, right. He, um, he released an album a few years ago that uh, went to number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah, and Jeff Lynne. Jeff Lynne's doing okay as well. He, he just sold out Wembley Stadium with ELO. Or yeah. his new incarnation of ELO, because let's be honest, ELO is just Jeff Lynne. Yeah. Um, maybe with Bev Bevan. I love the drummer of ELO, yeah. Bev Bevan. Great name as well. It is. I mean, they, yeah, so they had their heights with this, and maybe that inspired them to do the sequel, if you will, with Volume 3, mm. to see if they could match that critical success, which I don't think it really did. So, look, they got a bit of success out of this. They were able to, you know, pay the bills for a little bit longer. Yeah. But I, I, I feel that in the back of their heads, 
it was also to, you know, let's see if we can sell some records with yeah. this. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. No, nothing wrong with that at all. But anyway, that is uh, Travelling Wilburys Volume 1. Very, very famous supergroup, of course. Again, I think out of all the supergroups, out of, you know, all eras, this is the one that people will say, oh, that's the definition of a supergroup. Yeah. And it's interesting because they came around at a time where the concept was a bit outdated. It was a real 1970s thing. Yeah. That was when all the big supergroups came to be, like Crosby, Stills and Nash, obviously. Pretty much every group with Eric Clapton. Yeah. You know, Blind Faith, although I think that was the late 1960s. Uh, Cream again, 1960s and all that. The That era was just dominated by supergroups. And 1980s rolled around and the concept was just a little dated. Yeah. But... They seem to make it work, obviously. Well, yeah, they sell albums. Yeah. And I think that's the Travelling Wilburys reignited that idea of the supergroup, that it can be a real formula for success. Yeah. And funnily enough, they didn't even tour for this album. No. Mainly, probably because it sort of hurts when one of your lead singers dies two months after the album release. Well, yeah. Bit, a bit of a... Gets in the way, Bit it? problematic, that. If they were to find a replacement for Roy Orbison, who do you think they'd, they'd go for? At that time? Yeah. Um, Say, all right, guys, we're going to take this really seriously. We're going to find another fifth Wilbury. Take get Johnny Cash. Oh, could you imagine? That'd be so cool. Same kind of voice, a deep country mm. kind of voice. What was that country supergroup of the eighties? Oh, um, Highwaymen. The Highwaymen, rubbish. Willie, Willie Nelson. That was talked about as an album for supergroup. Yeah, September. I listened to it. I said, no, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> was Johnny Cash a part of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Cash would have been interesting. Maybe a, like a. Don't mention Neil Young. Yeah, could could be. Don't, I wouldn't mention him though. No, uh, you, you need someone to kind of to take those deep things. Maybe even like Chris Isaac. Ooh, interesting. He's like a Roy Orbison. Yeah, yeah, that could be that could be very interesting. He would have been a bit younger as well. Yeah, than everyone. Well, and brought a bit of fresh blood. Mm. Well, what if they went for someone modern? Like, what if they went for a uh, Brian Adams? Yeah, like a late like a late eighties. Bruce Springsteen. I was just about to say, imagine if they got Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, that'd be pretty good. I wouldn't mind that. Bit Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Real Heartland yeah. American rock. Yeah. I always found it interesting, you had that clash of cultures as well. You had Harrison and Lynn who were British as British can be. Yeah. And then you had Tom Petty, Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison. Yeah. Roy Orbison was American, right? He was. And they wrote these real American patriotic yeah. songs yeah. Bob Dylan of course was the voice of the 1960s yeah. um, some, a lot of people said of uh, the American people yeah. and voice of the voiceless yeah. kind of thing and it's interesting even though you had the the British invasion as it were with uh, Harrison and Lynn in the group it yeah. was still a very American album yeah anyway so we have now finished with the Travelling Wilburys and now we'll move on to our brand new segment where we will have a look at the show Supergroup, and we'll be looking at the first episode, so here's the intro. I'm Theodore Anthony Nugent. My name is Jason Bonham. I'm Evan Seinfeld, lead singer, bass player of Biohazard. I'm Scott Ian, and I play rhythm guitar in a band called Anthrax. My name is Sebastian Bach. I am the original singer for Skid Row. Shut up, listen out. I got me a rock and roll band. It's a Supergroup. It has its own little intro, yeah. intro snippet. Now, Jack, we're only going to talk about the first episode, but I've, in fact, seen... You said... First two. Well, <laughs> I had a bit of a binge last night. Uh, you watched... said you watched the first four episodes back to back to back to back. I did. It's, they're 40 minutes episodes. That's 
that's yeah, it's a fair, fair chunk of 160 your minutes of uh, <laughs> quality programming. Quality programming. <laughs> so, first off, to recap, Supergroup is a fascinating concept for a reality TV program. I actually think it's quite genius. Yeah, it really is. Get five famous rock musicians and bring them together. Twelve days. You have to form a supergroup, write your own material, and perform this gig. Yeah. So to start off, Ted Nugent. So actually, we'll start with the very first episode. So they all, uh, one by one, they go to this house. They all arrive at this house. So first of all, you've got Ted Nugent, who's the patriotic American guitar player, really set in his traditional ideals. Yep. My dad taught me about an aboriginal function. That would be the heart right there. <laughs> Hunting your dinner with a sharp stick. I still do that today. All you'd get out of that would be a... And I was weaned on that about the same time that I got my first electric guitar. He, he is quite the shredder, though. He can, he, he, he's, he can play, which is funny because he strikes me as such a... What's the word? Just really self-absorbed and... Yeah, he's a really good musician because to be a musician, you need yeah. to have a bit of fluidity about you. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't really have that, but he can play guitar really well and he... He sits down when he plays. Yeah, he does quite a bit. I noticed. Which is weird. Like plays electric guitar, but sits down. Mm. So he arrives at this big mansion house, which is really arty. It's like a big these paintings on the walls. He's like paintings on the ceiling and all that. Yeah, it looks like it, a it, chapel. It's, yeah, it's like this really old-fashioned place, yeah. which is of course the place you want five, you know, guys jamming out. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, next to come up is Jason Bonham who's your really polite English drummer. Mm. I've actually written that down, polite, because he's really polite. Yeah, he's he just really, a really nice person. Yeah. Because you're the son of John Bonham, one of the greatest, if not the greatest rock and roll drummer that walked this earth, that was in the third biggest band ever. There's a... I'll always be known as the kid. Obviously the son of John, um, had his own group, also plays with Foreigner. Yeah, he, yeah, and that uh, comes into play in the second episode. Uh, so, it's just him and him and Ted at that point. So they start jamming. They're you know really excited. I don't think Ted recognised Jason no. at first. He was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And that sort of happens a little bit yeah. uh, in this. But Jason's that guy who you know he's lived the rock and roll lifestyle a little bit, and he's just like, "I'm a little bit older now. I'm in my forties. I don't need that anymore. I'm not really that going out guy." Who drinks? Yeah. Uh, you know, gave up the drinking, which is wise considering the he, fate his father met all those years ago. Like Thirty-six or something. From yeah, from excessive boozing. Yeah. So, uh, third member to rock up, and now this is the guy I did not know whatsoever, Evan Seinfeld. No relation, by the way. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, although some of the gags. Or not gags, but the things he says, you could have sworn he was in a sitcom or something. Because yeah. they're so, like, you can't take him seriously. Yeah. You know, I am who I am. I try to pretend to be what I'm not. Love me, hate me, take me, leave me, you know? He's your absolute dickhead of a bass player. Yeah. He's from this band called Biohazard, who are like this industrial alternative rock thing right. from the 1990s. I'd never heard of them before. Yeah, right. But... He just comes in and, you know, he's like, oh, my God, Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah, everyone's really excited about meeting or just being in a band with Ted Nugent yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. And we'll get to that with uh, Sebastian Buck later on. But Evan Seinfeld, uh, he runs a porno company yeah. you know, with his with his wife. Yep. Uh, and he has quite the... Uh, <laughs> fondness. Fondness towards women. Yeah. 
and uh, treats them with the utmost respect. Yeah, of course. Uh, as we'll uh, see later on. So the next person to rock up is Scott Ian of the band Anthrax. Yeah. I spend months at a time in a stinky tour bus. So to spend two weeks in a house with four other guys is a piece of cake. He's a big Ted Ninja fan as well. Oh, massive. Yeah. Massive. Uh, he's quite an interesting looking guy. He's sort of like bald and he's got like a goatee that's like dyed red. Yeah. Um, you he's know, a lovely bloke though. Oh, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Really nice guy. I've seen a few interviews with him. He just strikes me as a very down-to-earth individual, which yeah. is quite a contrast to the music he plays with Anthrax. Yeah. And the way he performs, he's like really aggressive in how he plays and everything. But mm. he's this really calm guy. That's a stage uh, persona, essentially. Yeah, isn't it, at the end yeah. Of the day. I'd almost say he's a bit shy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just really quiet and sort of similar to Jason Bonham. I think the two talk a little bit later and they describe themselves as the voices of reason. Yeah. But of course, they're the voices of reason when everyone else in the band has a massive, massive ego. Yeah. Speaking of massive egos, uh, Sebastian Buck. Yeah. What? Jeez. Some nice digs. I'm very excited just because I don't know what I'm walking into, literally. I have no idea. I want to make sure that whatever we come up with is good as the stuff that I've put out in the past. I love Sebastian. He's so funny. Yeah. He's so funny. He's just the flashy lead vocalist, Skid Row. Skid Row. If you've listened to any of Skid Row, they're sort of like a Motley Crue... Version 2. Yeah, version 2. That's the second uh, reference Motley Crue's got in the podcast. Mm. I mentioned Vince Neil earlier. And I found it where he arrives in this massive bus where everyone else arrives in like a their own car or something. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that was like a deliberate thing from the producers. Like Sebastian Bucky's the big, you know, star of the show, the lead yeah. vocalist. He's got to arrive in some style. Yeah. And he arrives in this massive, classy bus. Yeah. So again, he arrives, everyone's jamming. He is just absolutely blown away by the fact he gets to play with Ted Nugent. Me playing in a band with Ted Nugent is like playing in a band with Santa Claus. And so they start jamming a little bit. I wouldn't say much comes from it. No. But uh, in comes Doc McGee. Yeah. Who has the whitest teeth I've ever seen in music. And the highest collars on his shirt. <laughs> he does. They're better to the top of, his, top of his ears. Yeah, this is where we encourage you to go check it out yourself. We've got the first episode linked on our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, so you can see it there. It's all on YouTube. Yeah. So you can go watch it there. Uh, so Doug McGee, he's a famous like band manager. Yeah. He's he did a lot of the guys from the seventies and eighties. He's like nearly seventy years old now yeah. himself. It looks yeah. like it looks like he had a bit of work done, especially with the teeth. Oh, the doc, yeah. Sure. The teeth, the teeth just stand out like a blinding beacon. Yeah. You know, it's just the only thing you notice. So he just talks to the band a little bit, presents them with their task. So you've got twelve days. To do, to do all this. And everyone's just like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. So they check out the house a little bit. Uh, Scotty and uh, quite classy uh, says it's uh, it's the gayest house ever. Yeah, well, yeah, it's 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 quite dated and, and that's kind of that attitude. But in more important news, the big thing they have to do is is get the name. Yeah, get the band name. Which seems to so be... So th- this is a, fas- a fascinating discussion, yeah, to say it, the and least. And it's a, long, it's a long-standing discussion as well. Yeah, that continues over the next few episodes. It happens quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we'll let you know a few of the ideas that well, they had. Well, it's funny because Ted Nugent at one point says, I really hope that the band name isn't really stupid or something. And, something, yeah. and, and then he proceeds to say... I think we ought to be called... Chesty Puller. What do you reckon about that as a name? Yeah, no, I didn't like that. Didn't, I didn't really approve. But So they went through a few discussions of different ideas and they eventually came up 
with Fist. Yeah, later on. Uh, which I love the idea because they talk about the five members, as in five fingers, coming together to form one fist. I get the idea, but it's still really stupid. It's stupid. But they even had these. They had the PR guys come in, mm. talk about their image. They had the 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 wardrobe guys come in and talk about what they're going to wear. Oh yeah, the P the PR people show up. Yeah, and they did the Backstreet Boys, and Sebastian quite. Uh, Humorously says, "Oh, the Bach Street Boys." Yeah, it's always it's has to come of, back. Sort of the, the, p- the pinnacle of the, his humor that yeah. you'll see in this always has to come show. back to him in this show. Yep. Um, so I've had the, yeah, the PR guys come in. They don't really like them. They don't really like the costume guys. But then the designers come in, like the, the graphic designers, to design their their logo. Every great band has a logo, and they say it's fist. But then, as they're talking, this is like probably in the in the days after, they don't want fist anymore. They're very indecisive and. I just love when they say, all right, let's just go and play, go and jam. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be even more cohesive. No. It's not as if, either oh, the playing's really good and we just have to get around all this other kind of stuff. Yes. Like, they should be playing really, really well. They should just click. Yeah, well, I think uh, Doc at one point says that, you know, I could just go to any garage, get the band from there, and they probably play better than these guys. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of the stuff they play is just very average, mm. very uh, standard, everyday stuff. Uh, moving on, so, enter Danushka. Yes. Danushka, the uh, celebrity personal chef. Yeah, drop-dead gorgeous, six-foot-three yep. Swedish yep. chef. <laughs> who, uh, and it's really, you know, Evan's loving and tender side that really stands out oh, here, yeah. isn't it? Uh, as we mentioned, he's a uh, owns a porno company mm-hmm. with his wife, and straight away he just says to her, you want to be in a movie? Uh. In the most creepy way. Mm. And Ted Nugent says some things that are... A better left unsaid as well. That sort of represent the more traditional values that he represents. Yeah. So uh, good luck to Danushka in the next few weeks. Uh, so they go to a strip club, mm. which is about half of the course, I reckon. Yeah. But that's only Evan, Sebastian, and Scott. Ted and um, Ted and Jason. J- Jason stay home because you know they've seen all those times and you know aren't really into that sort of thing anymore. And it's funny because Scott uh, is very you know, out of his depth in the whole thing. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not really used to that whole thing. And meanwhile, Evan, again, highlights his loving tender side by having, you know, two gorgeous strippers, you know, giving him a lap dance. Yeah. And he's just like, this is every man's birthright. Yeah. Every man deserves this. And it's just like, oh, you're a lovely guy, aren't yeah. you? You know, every girl dreams yeah. of doing this. He probably, he probably hams it up a little bit, you'd expect. Yeah, pro- probably. But it wouldn't be too far away from the truth. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if producers went to every member of the band and just said, we really want you to ham out, ham up your image. Yeah, of course. Moving on, lyric writing session. Now, this is absolutely fantastic. Now, Campbell, tell me what you think of these lyrics. Here's your verse, ready? Deep in the darkness. Hey, uh, deep in, in the, the darkness. darkness in the hey, universe uh, of okay. hate. Yeah. Over and over, the twisted hand of fate. <laughs> Sucking the lifeblood oh. of all I feel is pure, yeah. soulless existence I'm not willing to endure. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's great. Nicely done. It's quite a, quite uh, deep, isn't it? Well, it's uh, it's like they're writing a song from 1982 or three, isn't it? It's, yeah, it, it's, re- it's, it really is. It's not exactly. Yeah, but that, I mean that's what they know. That's what it's. You know, a, yeah, it, it, honestly, it's what they it's what they know. It's a nice little catchy melody, I suppose, mm. a little hook. But then, of course, there's Sebastian's song title list, which I'll uh, get him to run through now. I always have lyrics and titles on my computer, you know, so I have like a backlog, a backlog, if you will. 
These are all titles. Refuse to lose, power corrupts, free radical, ballistic, acceleration, loose cannon, walker bleed, hell's worst bitch. Oh, it's hard. Take it back. Take it back! That's the second title I have it down right there. Take it back! Some some great ideas there, for uh, sure. Potential, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's some, yeah, real real good ones there, I reckon. That'll, you know, top of the charts soon, I yeah. reckon. Uh, if, they're, if they're not already. What's funny, it'll be interesting to see if he's actually gone with any of those song titles on any of his previous solo albums. Yeah, right. I might have a look into that for next week. Uh, Glenn Gaines comes into the picture, so he's an audio supervisor. Yep. Uh, and now the band wants to record, record like a demo CD at the house they're in. Yeah. But he just can't get it to work because it's, it's, not, set it's, up it's, 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 it's not a right place. It's not the right place for it. So when things eventually go wrong, when Sebastian's tracking vocals, Evan goes completely off at Glenn. Yeah. And Glenn's just like, I'm trying my hardest. Dude, what are you guys doing? It started calling into question my professional ability. At that point, it was a little bit offensive. Every time we say stop and start recording, you guys skip us by stop it. Just start it in the beginning and press play. Calm down. Just give me a minute, all right? You know what? You know, you're being a f Hey, you gotta drop the attitude. Don't say it. He's got it. Me giving you attitude? Are you kidding me? This is not his job. Don't talk to me that way. I'll knock you out, period. I don't give a Turn around. Our higher purpose is to create music that will live long after we're dead. And Glenn couldn't engineer for us. He's nuts. He's nuts, exactly. And But meanwhile, Glenn has the last, last laugh by saying this. I think that maybe Evan and Sebastian should stop focusing on my ability to perform and start focusing on their own abilities to perform. So good on, good on Glenn yeah. for, you know, sticking up for all the roadies out there, yeah, you know? So they go to another bar, a lot of people who have probably been paid to be there or bribed. Uh, Sebastian goes up on stage with a random cover band and performs the song Black Sabbath. Uh, Sebastian says something along the lines of, you know, it takes a lot of balls to do. Yeah. Uh, but it ends up being a very awkward thing for him because <laughs> the, band, the, the band actually stopped playing as soon as he starts singing. Yeah. So that becomes a very awkward thing for him. And then, uh, end of the episode, Big Truck pulls out, out uh, outside with the name Supergroup on it with all their names. People are, like, screaming, going, ah, yeah. ah, it's so cool. But it's it's quite, quite fake. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bonham decides to show up in the first time in about 20 minutes and says this. And that was kind of cool. Seriously, that's, like, the first time he's spoken, he's spoken in, yeah. in so long. And really, that's the end of the episode. Now, we were going to go through episode two, but we might save that until next week. Yeah. We might make this a running segment that continues beyond Supergroup September, because wow. I, I really like this idea for a show. Yeah. Um, so at the end of every, every week, we might do a quick, you know, little 10, 15 minute summary of uh, the episode we're doing. So that was episode one. We might give do it, episode two next week. Give it a watch if you haven't given too much away. Oh, give it, give it a those, watch. It's, get those, it's, those characters and... Uh, and it's interesting because it just it sucks you in for the next episode. It does. It does. It's so bad. It's it's, good. it's so trashy. Yeah. But it's so good. So give it a watch. It's, I think the first episode shared on our Facebook page. So give it a watch. And with that, I think we'll wrap up. So again, rate and review on iTunes means a lot. Check out our other podcasts if you haven't checked out the uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash podcast. Give that a listen because I think that's one of our best. Or any be other ones. Or really any other. Yeah. yeah. So uh, see how we've progressed throughout the. Uh, the months yeah and a big shout out to all those who have jumped on board in the past couple of weeks it's good to yep. see consistent flow in people mm. jumping on board and saying day. and yep shout yeah. out to our friend uh, maurice at the love that album podcast yes uh he uh sent us through a message the other day uh check out his podcast as well love that album i've 
uh, given a couple of them a listen. It's quite good. He uh, There was this one, he was talking about this uh, artist from Canada. It's like Ice Age Paradise or something. Yeah, right. And it's a really good listen. Give that a Give that a go. And I think we'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much for tuning in. This has been Track by Track with... Campbell. And Jack. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.